James chapter number 2, if you're there in your Bibles, you know God has been giving me some lessons, honestly, and, and I believe they're a lot for me. Uh, you, you know my story, I've told you a lot of times about growing up in that Pentecostal background, and I do not condemn any of it. I'm not here to throw stones, I'm not here to cast rocks, I'm not here to, to put things off. I made my own choices, but I grew up in a lot of man-made religion. I grew up in a lot of how you had to dress. I grew up in a lot of how you had to act, how long your hair had to be, and and, and what women had. I grew up in a lot of that stuff, and a lot of that is man-made religion, but, but I, I've learned more and more that serving God is not that complicated. All you got to do is read this book. I, it, I, don't, I don't have to fit your part, and you don't have to fit mine. I don't have to look like you, and you don't have to look like me. If we want to serve God, you got to look like Jesus Christ, and anything else is just an imitation. It's all about Jesus Christ. So God has been dealing with me, giving me some lessons on the simplicity of serving God. We, we looked a few weeks ago at this, the simplicity of pleasing God. What does it take to please God? You want to please God in your life? What does it take? God said, just do right. We looked that morning at the text there in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. said, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good. What doth the Lord require of thee? But to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with thy God. You, you, want, you, want to, you want to know what God expects? He just expects us to do good. He just expects us to love people and, and just do right. It's not that complicated. We, we looked at the simplicity of being like Christ. And, and I realized that we'll never be like Christ on this side of the grave. When we see him, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. In the meantime, we're living in this old shell, battling with the flesh. Somebody help me out. Amen. I ain't in this by myself. I ain't the only one that struggles. I ain't the only one that battles with the old flesh and the old nature. I ain't the only one that thinks that when I'm these knuckleheads in Troop County pull out in front of me when I'm driving down the road, go a half a mile and turn left in front of me like I didn't have nowhere to be. I'm not the only one still battling with the flesh. But, but we, 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 look, we look to the simplicity of simply being like Christ. And we use an example from Acts 10, 38. The apostle Peter, you remember the story, God showed Cornelius a vision up in Caesarea. He showed Peter the vision of the cloth. Remember all the different animals and the four-footed animals and rise, kill, and eat. And he said, not so, Lord, anything unclean. And so the bottom line is when he got to Caesarea and he's talking to Cornelius and all those in his house and all those in the church, and, and he told him, he, he said, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good you want to be like Jesus do good treat people good love God first nothing comes before God thou shalt have no other gods before me no graven images no worship nothing else that includes football that includes basketball. that's a bad time to bring that up right for college football in it you can't have any gods before God nothing in your life can come before God we serve what we love we love what we serve God said I want you to love me first I want you to put me first I want you to love people especially those within the church how are we gonna love the world if we can't love those amongst ourselves by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples that ye have love for who one for another so it's up to us to love one another and then last week we looked this we looked at the simplicity of of living a positive Christian life. Bottom line, we just need to develop better habits. We all got habits. Everybody grew up with habits. We're creatures of habit. Statistics show that a minimum of 40% of our life is done by habit. We're just creatures of habit. We do what we do because that's the way we do it, right? Matter of fact, if you want to mess up a Sunday morning church service, just get it out of rhythm. Just put the choir back up in about five minutes. So just, just do something out of rhythm. We're, we're creatures of habit. If you want to mess something up, we just mess up the habit. So we look at make better habits. 
We, we need a better habit of reading this book. We, we need a better habit of spending time with God in prayer. We, we need better habits of the things that we think. We looked at 1 Thessalonians 5, and it gave us some better habits. He said, rejoice evermore. Just live life rejoicing. A lot of people live in the mully grubs. I'm sorry, but if you're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, born again, your name's written in the Lamb's book of life, you're on your way to heaven, separated from hell, to live forever in the presence of God, you got something to rejoice about. You got something worth praising God about. Don't live life in the mully grubs and be like those which have no hope. We're children of the King. We're anointed of God. We're going to heaven. We got something. He said, rejoice evermore. Have some good habits. He said, pray without ceasing. We looked at it last week. Live in an attitude of prayer. How do you do that? Just communicate with God. You talk to your friends. I told you, some of us are so dedicated into this new lifestyle, we don't know how to talk to anybody. So I told you, send God a text. Tell him I love him. Text him. Send him an email. Shoot him something. I mean, we've gotten so far out of the realm of being able to talk to people. If you can't talk, just text him. Just let God know how much you love him. Don't text him riding down the road. I know y'all do that too. But stay in constant communication with God. He said, make good habits. He said, just pray without ceasing. He said, quench not the spirit. That means God gives you something to do. Just do it. God tells you to go over and give somebody a hug. You ain't got to worry about it. Just hug on them. God tells you to send somebody a text that says, just wish I love you, I'm, I'm praying for you. Then send them a text that says, I'm love, I, I love you, I'm, I'm praying for you. Don't quench your spirit, just do what God says do. He said, prove all things. Listen, all things are not good. Everything that comes our way, he said, prove all things. Try the spirits, discern that which is good. And then he said, abstain from all appearance of evil. Not, not just evil. He said, anything that appears evil, in everything we're to give thanks. And I plug this one in at the end for you. That means make church your priority in your life. This is not just a part-time check off your list. If you love God, this is a place to get to come fellowship with God's children. If you love it here, worship here. If you don't find a church, it doesn't matter to me where you go to church. What matters to me is that you go to church. That you serve God, that you love God, that you're pleasing to God. So we're just looking at the simplicity. Well, this morning, I want to look at the simplicity of serving God because serving God is important. If we truly love him, then we're going to serve him. So it all boils down to one word, and it just happens to be the name of the church. It's about faith. It boils down to faith. And what James says here in our text this morning, if you want to open there in your Bibles, I'm going to read. I printed this one this morning. I'm going to read beginning in chapter 2, verse number 18. Yea, a man say thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I'll show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest there is one God, thou doest well. <laughs> the devils also believe and tremble. Wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? I want to look this morning just for a few minutes at a faith that shows. God, thank you so much for being so incredibly good. God, thank you for every soul represented in this place, for everybody by way of live stream, for any that would hear God. I pray you'd take this and do as only you can. May your Holy Spirit speak to every heart in this place according to their own needs. God, I pray you'd touch some needs. I pray you'd move some mountains. God, I pray you'd break some chains. Lord, I pray you'd lift up some, remove burdens away from some, mend broken marriages, restore homes. God, I pray you'd do a mighty work in this place today. God, I thank you for your sweet Holy Spirit here, God. I thank you that we're allowed to feel your presence and that we can come into your throne room of grace where we might obtain mercy. So I ask you now, God, would you meet with us? Teach us something, God. Help us to leave here a better servant, more in love with you, God, 
more in line with you, eager to serve you in all that we do. We love you, God. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, amen. So the bottom line is if we simply have faith, like real, genuine faith, then everything about the Christian life becomes easier. Hebrews tells us in chapter 11, verse 6, without faith, it's impossible to please him. He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that what? Diligently. Do we have any screens left? Lightning is killing us around here, man. We have no projectors left. We don't even have that one left. Oh, we have one left. Thank you, God. Huh? That's not where I was, but that's okay. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So, so it's more than, than just believing. James assures us that even the devils believe, the demons believe, they all believe in fear and tremble. They believe and they understand the authority of God, the power of God, the power of the name of Jesus. That's why at the name of Jesus, demons have to flee. Sickness has to go. They cannot stay in the presence of the name. They understand the power of the name, but just believing isn't enough. You'll, you'll not see one demon in heaven. So James says there's more to it than, than just believing. You know, faith is a pretty simple word, especially simple for us, right? It's the name of the church. So how hard is it to say faith? We hang on the word faith. But actually living it, it, it is a little bit harder than, than just doing it. Faith is believing even though you haven't seen. A French writer and philosopher, he went by the name Voltaire. It wasn't his real name, but he went by Voltaire. He said, faith consists in believing when it is beyond the power of reason to believe. The, the proof of, of faith is living life as though you've already seen. How many of you has already seen heaven? But I've seen a picture of it. I've read over here in the back of the book about streets of gold and walls of jasper and onyx and sapphire and, 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 and ardonyx. And, and it talks about each gate is of a single pearl, 12 gates, 12 foundations with the names of the apostles, crystal sea, crystal river, tree of life, presence of God, all of the saints gathered together singing praises to his name. I've read about the battle of Armageddon. I've read about all of evil being conquered and cast into the lake of fire, separated forever that will never feel the presence presence of evil again to live for all of eternity having never thought another evil thought can you comprehend that having never thought nothing else bad about anybody all presence of evil every evil thought indeed gone forever I've not seen it but I know it's there I've all but seen it because I've read the book it's by faith so it's so it's believing as though we have already seen Martin Luther King Jr. put it this way Faith is taking the, st the first step, even when you don't see the whole staircase. And James, here in our text, he's not making an, an affirmation. He's making an objection. Everyone doesn't serve the same way, but everybody is to serve. Everybody is not going to be like the Apostle Paul. Pharisee, ruler, brought up in the best schools. I mean, Pharisee of Pharisees, he said it of himself. Paul was a man of zeal. Everybody's not going to be like the Apostle Paul. Peter's that type A personality, opens his mouth before he ever really puts his brain in gear, but he's got a lot to say. Sometimes he just ought to think about it before he actually said it, right? 
He, he's that type A, but everybody's not going to be like the Apostle Peter. Everybody's not going to be like Martha. Martha was worried about when Jesus was in the house getting everything ready and serving and going about it and trying to get things done. Everybody's not going to be like her. Everybody's not going to be like Mary that day when she's seated at the feet of Jesus and she's sitting down there worshiping Jesus. Everybody is not going to be the same. All of them are serving. Every one of those are serving God, but everybody serves different. Some people that, that we know, I mean, people... Anybody know what I'm talking about? When you're around somebody, they don't have to tell you they're a Christian. Like, you're just around some people. See, some people, it's just, you know they're a Christian by, by their integrity. Some people, you know they're a Christian by, by their benevolence, the way that they reach out, the way that they help others, the way they, the way they do things. Some, some we know to be Christians by their boldness to witness. I mean, they'll, they'll witness to a tree stump. If they find something that can't move, they're going to talk to it about Jesus. I mean, they're, they're going to they're put it all in. Some people, we, we know them to be Christian by their honesty. It's just everything. If they say it, you can bank on it. They've never been caught in a lie. That is a Christian witness. Some people, it's about their prayer life. Some people just have a bold prayer life. They pray constantly and through all things. For some, it's their level of compassion. We see how they try to help others and all that they do. I'm just saying that, that these, are, these aren't the things that make them a Christian. These are the results of being a Christian. This is just Christ working in their life, just working through them. What James says is that some of these are viewed as works, and some of them are viewed as faith. But faith and works are not independent with one another. We're not saved by our works, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is the gift of God. It is the blood of Jesus Christ that God gave the blood of Jesus for free. The cross was free. The price is free. Salvation is free. Redemption is free. The empty tomb was free. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. It is the gift of God. But if you have the gift of God, works are going to follow. The works are not the cause of salvation. They're, they're the result of salvation. Lord, help us. Can, can, I, can I plug this one in? It's not a chore to serve somebody that you love. I was thinking about it, and I'll be honest, about the best explanation I know, and I'm going to get in trouble anytime I use my family. I understand that. I don't do it very often, but, but it's, it's my wife. I, I don't. I don't know of a better way to explain what it means to work for something that you love, and it doesn't matter. My, she, she gets up every morning. She goes to work every day. She comes home and cleans the house. And you say, not every day, every day. She comes home and washes clothes. Yeah, but not every day, every day. Our house don't get dirty, and no clothes pile up around our house. And then she cooks dinner. And then she ever asks, what do you want for dinner? I'm like, man, we'll just grab something. You want to go to town and get something? But, but she loves to cook. I ain't talking about no heated beanie windies. Neither. I'm talking about we eat. You can look and tell. We, we eat groceries. But here's the deal. To me, that seems like a chore. That seems like a lot of work to be in there cooking and all the different stuff and all the different things. And I mean, she's in there for an hour doing something. Seems like work to me. If I got stoves and all that going on, seems like work. But to her, she don't see it as work. She says she feels bad when she don't. You know why? Because it's not a chore to do something for somebody that you love. The same thing is true in serving God. The same thing is true in, in our Christian life. Faith, faith and, and, and works do not exist separately. That They work together to prove one another. They work in support of one another. James says, thou hast faith and I have works. What he says, you have one form of manifestation, I have another one. 
You have one manner of service. I have another one. If you're a person that, that witnesses to everything that moves, that, that's great. Glory to God. We're all called to be witnesses. We're all called to be a living witness, tell others about Christ, but not in the same way. That there are some who speak to everybody that, that they meet about Jesus Christ, but other people it's just recognizable in their lifestyle. That j just them being around convicts you. Listen, as a child of God, if we're around a group of people, often when we walk into a room, the temperature ought to change. Somebody needs to listen. This is free. I'm going to get lost in my notes here in a minute. But I'm telling you, something ought to change around us. I may not can change the world, but I can change this circle right here. I may not can change what's going on out there on social media, but I can change what my ears are having to listen to right here. If I walk into a group of people that know me and know where I stand, the conversation ought to change. You know why I know that? Because Jesus, when he was here, he said he's the light of the world. And then when he left, he said, who's the light of the world? You are. He said, when I'm going, you are the light of the world. You know what I know about a light? When a light comes on in the room, darkness has got to get out. They cannot cohabitate. So if I'm truly living a Christian life and I walk in as a light, when I get in, something's got to get out. Me or them ones got to go. My testimony can't go. My witness can't go. Well, I'm sorry, that's all free. <clears throat> some people, some people have that ability to just witness to, to everybody that they meet. I mean, it's right out the gate. That's the number one question if you died right now. See, that, that makes me a little nervous. Somebody says that right out. Look, elevator somewhere probably. If you died right now. I'm on the defense automatically. Y'all with me? I don't think that's the right way of question. It's like, you know, if the Lord comes or if and when you die, do you know where you're going? It don't have to be if you die right now. We can put it off for a little bit. I don't have to put you on the defensive right out of the gate. But some people, it's not really about you have to ask the question. For some, it's just living their life in front of other people. But, but all that's okay. The, the Word of God says if, if all were the eye, where would the hearing be? The Apostle Paul talked about it when he wrote in his first letter to the church at Corinth. He, he said, we're all different parts. We all make up the body. If everybody is the mouth, then, then where are the hands going to be? Everyone is a different person, and everyone has a different plan. God said, I know the plans that I have for you. He wasn't just talking to his prophet. We've talked about it before. God has no respect to a person. So if he was talking about he had a plans for one, if he had a plans for one, then he has to have a plan for who? Everybody has to have a plan for me specifically. So that means that God has a plan just for me. That means I don't have to fit your mold. You don't have to fit my mold. You don't have to fit into my likings. This ain't about me. This is about what does God have for your life. It is God's plan for every individual that matters. What someone else does is not for you to discern. If it's in line with the Word of God. If somebody's acting like the world and a heathen and, and they claim to be a Christian, then we have a responsibility to try to love a brother back into the fold and, and to make. But, but how they serve God, that, that's not my business. How, how one serves God, that, that's not another one's business. It is our business to do what God leads us to do. I mentioned Martha and Mary. Jesus was in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Come to pass, they went to enter in a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. When she and her sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet, heard his word, but Martha was cumbered about much serving, 
came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her that she should help me. And Jesus said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. One thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part. It shall not be taken away from her. Martha was showing her faith by serving. She was showing her faith by working. She was showing her faith by faith by, by trying to, to prepare things. Mary, she's showing her faith by, by sitting at the feet of Jesus and worshiping. All is necessary. Both are different. James goes on, he says, show me thy faith without thy works. Well, what James is saying, if you're truly saved, it ought to show somewhere. If you're truly saved, people ought to see Christ in our life somewhere. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he was talking about people in sheep's clothing, ravenous wolves. Listen, can, can I just plug this one in? I thank God we don't have any of them here, but he was talking about some people in the church that cut people down with their lips. He was talking about some people that need their tongue removed. Well, I've told you that before. It ain't just the tongue. You need your thumbs removed now because that's where all the nasty comes now. They ain't brave enough to say it to your face, so they text it behind your back, right? That, that, I'm going to wind up in trouble before I get out of this morning. Just, just stay right here. He's talking about people. They, they pretend to be one thing, but they're not living it. They, they, they come in, they, they talk a good game, they, they claim they're a Christian, and they come in, but they are that six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination, he that soweth discord amongst the brethren. They, they're that. They, they come in, and what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, closing part of the Sermon on the Mount, verse number 16, he said, You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down, cast into the fire, wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. But he went on in verse 21. He said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Jesus tells us how to identify true faith. It's not by the bark. It's not, it's not by the leaves. It's not by the size of the tree. It's not by the things that men do to impress. He said, if you don't know what a tree is, you've got to go by the fruit. Because the fruit is the evidence of the root. Don't, don't worry about the bark. You can disguise a lot of things. But he said it's the fruit. You know, we don't, you know they'll say we don't judge a book by its cover, right? You, you can take a cover and put it on anything. You can take a Bible cover. My father, you can take this one. Bless its heart. I need a new one. You, you can take this one and, and you can put it on any comparable size book. And you can make it look like a well-used, well-worn Bible. But it's not about the cover. It's about the content. It's not about what's on the outside. It's about what's on the inside. You want the Word of God? It's got to be the Word of God. We tend to judge things by the cover. We judge people by what they look. No, it's all about what's on, on the inside. People make a lot of claims. People say that they're a Christian and they, they put on a good bark and they put on some pretty leaves and they come in. But Jesus said... The truth lies in what do you do seven days a week. 
The truth doesn't lie in how well do you clean up on Sunday. The truth doesn't lie did you get to check it off your list at 10.30 and stay here until, oh, 12.30 right before I got through. It, the truth lies in are you serving God seven days a week? Do people see it? James says all some people do is they say they have faith, but they have nothing tangible in their lives to back it up. True faith, you ready? I, I, I know I use a lot of people's quotes. This one's mine. True faith produces holy living. And holy living is sufficient evidence of salvation. True faith produces holy living. And holy living is sufficient evidence of salvation. So here is the simplicity of producing the, the kind of fruit that you need to make. You need to make the fruit that God produced you to make. See, everybody's not an orange tree or an apple tree or peach tree, pear tree, you're not a pecan tree, a lemon tree, I don't, it doesn't matter. Pick whichever one you like to chew on. Everybody is not the same, but everybody is a fruit tree. And, and, and God produces the fruit through us. If you remember last week in, in the message, I, I did a summary at the end. We were looking at good habits, and I gave a little summary of, of some things to help you. And, and one of the things when we talked about Bible reading and, and prayer and all that, was I said, be yourself. Be yourself. Be what God leads you to be. If somebody else reads for two hours every morning, glory to God, bless them. That's awesome. That don't mean you have to start out by reading for two hours. If everybody prays for one hour in their prayer closet before they ever get up and get going in the morning, glory to God for them. The prayer life matters. It works for them. But that doesn't mean that you have to be them. You have to be you. The same thing is true in, in, in our lives. What makes a life pleasing before God is doing what you know God told you to do. Anybody hear that? It, it's not doing what somebody else did. It's not signing up to be in a ministry because somebody talked you into it. What, what makes a life pleasing to God is simply doing what you know God told you to do. You know, yesterday at the barbecue giveaway, it was great to get to hang out with a lot of you guys. I appreciate all your work, all your service, your hard work. We, we had an opportunity to lead 20-something and maybe more. I never got a final number, but lead them to the Lord as a personal Lord and Savior. We had an opportunity to pray with a lot of people. A lot of people were hurting. A lot of people going through stuff. We had an opportunity to just put our arms around some people, love on some people, pray with some people, be there for them, and, and, and just to be out there and, and serve and one of the ones out there is Mr. Peter Hutchins, and I'll be honest, I've never met anybody in my life that hands out more gospel tracts with a pure heart than Peter Hutchins. I've never seen anything like him. I mean, hundreds a day. Hundreds a day. He'll tell you don't clap for him. It's just the Holy Spirit. He's just handing out the gospel. But that don't mean if you want to be a child of God, you've got to hand out tracts like Mr. Peter. There, there are people who, who are, are, are verbal walking witnesses. Andrew's one of them. Joe's one of them. Brant's one of them. If, if you talk, if they meet anybody, they're, they're going to talk about Jesus Christ. They're going to talk about salvation. They're, they're going to talk about do you know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And they're going to be a verbal witness. And that's glory to God. That's awesome. But that doesn't have to be you. They have to be them. Because that's what God gave them to do. But, but you have to be you. I, I know I know of a few of you that are really big on benevolence in this church, and for their good, I'm not going to mention their names. But, but to be 
a solid Christian, we don't have to match them dollar for dollar in benevolence. Everyone is their own fruit. The question is not, does your fruit look like their fruit? The question is, does your fruit look like Jesus? Does your fruit look like what God has in store when he said, I have a plan for you? James says, if you have faith, then show it to me. Show it to me in the way you live. Show it to me in the way you walk. Show it to me in in your vocabulary, in, in the way that you talk to others. Show it to me in the way you treat other people. Show it to me in the way you you worship. Show it to me in the way you attend church, not as a checklist, but because you're in love with the Lord and you just want to come worship among his people. What James says, if you're a Christian, don't tell me you're a Christian. Show me you're a Christian. Listen, if we're around people and we have to tell them we're a Christian, we ain't living something right. Especially if we've been around them any length of time and they're surprised by it. We really need to back up and and get back into the prayer closet and do some things. James simply says, just show me me that you're a Christian. What he says is is if you love God, it's going to show in the way you live your life. If you truly love God, it's going to show up. Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead being alone. So James warns us against dead faith. He says we must have a faith that shows, but then the writer of Hebrews, he warns us against dead works. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. He goes on chapter 9, verse 14, he says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, to purge your conscience from what? From dead works. Why? To serve the living God. James said, Wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? He went on and gave us a couple of Old Testament examples. One was with Abraham. Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered Isaac his son upon the altar. Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God and was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. So, so the act wasn't the faith. The act was the result of faith. He goes on, and he talks about Rahab the harlot, and he says, Likewise was Rahab the harlot justified by works. When she received the messengers and sent them out another way, she let them down out the window to help them escape. For the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. Simply put, if we truly have faith, it's going to show in the, way, in the way we live our lives. Having faith doesn't mean that you'll never have doubts. But it does mean that, that doubt will not dominate your life. Having faith doesn't mean that, that you'll never have fears. But what it does mean is that fear will not continually control our emotions. D. Elton Trueblood He said, the Christian can be sad and often is perplexed. But he's never really worried because he knows that the purpose of God is to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. Having faith doesn't mean that you'll never do anything wrong. But what it does mean is doing things wrong or to the exception of the norm and not the norm. I know I've, I've said this a lot of time, but, but it's true of faith. Faith is, is praying as though you expect God to do everything. 
and working as though you expect to do it all yourself. I used this, this quote recently from Thomas Aquinas. It says, to one who has faith, no explanation is necessary. To one without faith, no explanation is possible. D. Elton Trueblood, again, one more from him. It says, faith is not belief without proof, but trust without reservation. Some, some of you, you need to get your phone out and take a picture of that, or maybe you can go back and watch it later and, and write that down. Faith is not belief without proof, but trust without reservation. So the question this morning is simple. Can the people around us see our faith in the way we live our lives? Do, do our works show people Christ? Do we not pray all the time, Father, help us, that people see Christ in us and Christ through us? Can people see Christ in, in the things we're doing? H having faith does not mean the absence of problems. All God's children said amen. But it means believing God through the problems. It, it doesn't mean the absence of fear. It doesn't mean the absence of failure. It doesn't mean the absence of adversity. What it means is trusting God through the storms. Trusting God through the trials. Trusting God through the troubles and adversity. Arnold Schweitzer, Albert Schweitzer says, One who gains strength by overcoming obstacles possesses the only strength which can overcome adversity. We can't have faith until we've exercised faith. I told you a lot before, I'm scared to pray for more faith because the faith we have, we earned. I know what God can bring me through because of what he brought me through. And the only way my faith can be greater than what it is is to go through something greater than I've been through. And I don't want to, so I'm just content to stay where I'm at. Thank you, God. Let me just stay right here. Increase my faith on the knowledge I have of what I've been through. Anybody with me? I don't want to have to go through something bigger for my faith. Just let me hold on to what you've already done. Just let it be enough. So, so we, we can't have faith without exercising. But, but the things that, that we have been through in life, the things that we go through, that, that's what gives us faith. That's what exercises our faith. That is what increases our faith. You ready? And that is what displays our faith. Other people can't see faith. Unless they see us hold on to God through going through some hard times. James says, if you're going to say you have faith, then live like you have faith. If you're going to say you're a Christian, can I tell you there's a whole lot more damage being done out there by people that claim to be Christian and living like the devil? than there is by the world. The world's the world. They're who they're going to be. We expect that kind of vocabulary out of them. We expect that kind of attitude out of them because of such were some of ye. Maybe you wasn't there, but I thought Romans 3.23 is pretty, pretty conclusive when it said all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I thought you in the same boat I was in. But, but if you're not, if you wasn't there, of such were some of ye. That's some as me. I've, I've been there. That, that's in the world. We expect that of the world. That can't be expected out of the child of God. And, and those that claim to be one thing and live in something else are doing more harm and more damage in the church than the world out there could ever do. The world out there is the one we're trying to reach. So, so what James says is if you're going to claim that you're a child of God, then live your life in a way so that others can see God. I, I want to ask you guys, if you just, just stand for just a minute. I, I want to, Lord, Lord, lay this on my heart. I want to I read a passage from you. While you stand band, you guys come on up. It laid these few verses on my heart. I don't really know why, but I know it's something for somebody. It's from Psalms chapter 34. Miss Frieda, can you put Psalms chapter 34 up there, verse number 1? 
Everybody look to your left. That's the only one we got surviving. Y'all pray for these others. This one up here is sick in the house, and that one over there is sent off to the hospital. I will bless the Lord how often? Now, surely that don't mean when my bills are due and I don't have the money to pay it. Surely, surely that don't mean when I'm sick. Surely, surely that don't mean when I'm at the hospital visiting a family member or a friend. I mean, surely, surely that means when the Georgia Bulldogs won the national championship and the Braves won the World Series and my bills are paid and, and I slept inside. Surely that's what that means, right? That, that's, not, that's not what I see. I will bless the Lord how often? At all times. His praise shall be in my mouth. How often? That means anytime we mully grubbing, we're breaking that one. Anytime we're complaining, sorry, we're saying, God, you're not enough. Your provisions aren't enough. Your blessings aren't enough. It's not enough. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me. And what did he do? He delivered me. Why did he hear? Because I sought him. I, I, I searched out for him. I put Matthew 6, 33 into seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things are added unto me. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him, saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that, that fear him and delivereth them. Look, 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 look at verse number 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Not every situation, not every trial, not every problem, not everything we go through, not every day that we live. Everything is not good, but God is. Everything is not worthy of praise, but God is. Every day, we may not feel like rejoicing. When you don't feel like praying, you know what you do? pray. When you don't feel like reading, you know what you do? Read. When you don't feel like rejoicing, you know what you do? You praise him in the midst of the storm. You praise the hurt away. You praise him and other people see God in you because you have something they don't have and that is the ability to praise him through the hurt, praise him through the trial, praise him through the problem. He says at all times. I want to ask you, would bow your head? Y'all know the altar's open. It ain't ever closed. It ain't my altar. You're welcome to come pray anytime you want. Maybe if you need some help through some troubles, help through some trials, help through some storms. Maybe if you just need some help with the morning's message. Maybe the Lord spoke to your heart. You just need to pray. The altar's always open. Come pray. And if you see somebody here, don't let them pray alone. There may be somebody you've never, you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Listen, you may have heard it. You may have been to church. You may have worked in ministries. But you know in your heart you've never trusted Christ. You're the one that knows if you're really serving God or if you're trying to put on a show. 
You're the one that knows whether or not the Holy Spirit's living inside of you. You're the one that knows whether or not your life is guided by the Holy Spirit because you've trusted Christ. If you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, don't let this day go by without the blood of Jesus Christ. For all have sin to come short of the glory of God. We know from 623 in the book of Romans that the wages of sin is death. That death is separation from God. That is hell for all of eternity. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What Jesus says is, I am enough. My price is enough. The Father has accepted the price. The price has been paid for your guilt, your sin, your debt. It's up to us to say, Father, forgive me. There has to be a confession of the mouth. You can't be found until you realize that you're lost. You can't be saved until you know you need to be. Father, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin and save my soul in Jesus' name. Listen, it's not a magic poem. It's not lip service. You don't get to speak it with your lips and not live it in your heart. If you give your life to Christ, give it all. He doesn't want your lips. He wants all of you. Surrender your heart and say, Lord, I surrender my life to you. I'm asking you to be Lord of my life and save my soul. In Jesus' name, and God the Father is faithful that all things pass away. Behold, all things become new. All of your sin, all your guilt is separated, cast into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. The Bible says separated as far as the east is from the west. God will never bring up your failures again. He will fill you with his Holy Spirit and begin to lead God and direct your life each day that we become new creatures in Christ. Go ahead, guys, sing. If you want to worship, worship. If you want to sing, sing. If you want to come pray, pray. Just do what